Hello and welcome to the Shambles United podcast. This is the third episode and this is your host Pranav Shahani. Today I am joined by Karan Adwani, Krishna Chaitanya and Kaivalya Devekar who is appearing on the podcast for the first time. And today we have a very special topic to discuss. If you have been living under a rock, you probably haven't read about the European Super League and the fallout after it. You obviously don't know that Ed Woodward, uh, I think one of the most hated figures by Manchester United fans, has resigned. And the club say that it's not to do with anything uh, related to the European Super League. But I certainly don't believe it. Uh, so I'll come to you, Krishna, first. What do you think about the decision? I mean, I, I think we've discussed this off-camera. You've, you've said that it's definitely got to do with the, with the Super League. But what do you think about the timing of it all, the way it was handled? So, honestly speaking, I think uh, I've always advocated that, you know, uh, Ed has been a primary figure in the whole, uh, you know, Glazer overtaking of Manchester United. He was the mastermind behind the deal that the club, uh, like, you know, the Glazers got in buying the club. He's the reason we're in so much debt and he's the reason that, you know, the Glazers take out a fat paycheck every bloody year (coughs) as their director's fee. But that being said, he is a footballing genius. Like, he's a business genius. He's a footballing numnut. But, uh, you know, uh, all of that said, uh, when we talk about the ESL and the timing of his sack, uh, or rather his resignation within airports, uh, he's just being made the fall guy. Because, you know, uh, like, uh, like from what I feel it is, it's it's just that, you know, uh, the Glazers have such a good relationship with Ed that they... In order to save their face, they basically asked Ed to resign. Obviously, they'll find some other position for him to, you know, uh, off the books or something of that sort. He'll he'll always be associated with uh, the Glazers on whatever capacity it is. He's just being made the fall guy because the fans hate him as much as they hate the Glazers. And I'm probably like, you know, I'm pretty sure that the Glazers are aware of the sentiment. And Ed is more than happy to, you know, take the fall because at the end of the day, it's money that matters and he brings in more money to the Glazers than anyone else does. And I also think that, you know, when we speak about Woodward, it's important to distinguish between Ed the financial guy and Ed the football guy. I think like you said, in terms of the finances, he's been a really uh, success for the club. But in terms of the footballing, he's been a total failure. So I'm coming to you now, Kaivalya. What do you think about the financial side of things? You know, he was the one who obviously brokered the Glazer takeover. So, how do you think United have been since he was appointed uh, the CEO and then the vice chairman after that uh, in 2013? Like, before that, he was just on, on the sidelines. But after Sir Alex left and after David Hill left, suddenly he was at the forefront of things. So, what do you think about uh, his time in office since then? You can't really ignore what he did before 2013 either. If you go back to 2005, this guy was the person who brought them to the club. Mm-hmm. This guy was the one who who put this club in debt for the first time since 1931. This club was debt-free for almost 80 years. This guy comes in, puts a highly leveraged deal through. A deal which means that the Glazers only put in 250 million of their own money and borrowed almost 300 million on the club's name and have been refinancing that same loan deal for almost 15 years, putting the club deeper and deeper in debt. So I don't know where the... You know, Ed Woodward, the financial genius, comes in. Sure, he's made them a lot of money, but the club has sunk deeper and deeper in debt every year. And as far as in, in any other performance metric other than pure marketing and social media hits, 
the club has been an utter failure. So I don't know where the marketing genius comes from. I mean, I I, uh, I don't know where anything comes from with regards to this guy because the only reason he's still in this job or was in this job was because he got uh, the Glazers this club. You know, so I don't know where the you know genius part comes from. I don't think his footballing failures need to be discussed at all. But uh, you know, and I don't think he's been he's being made the fall guy either because if you go back and look. Uh, they were actually planning to announce his departure 15 days ago. He sold his house in Manchester a month back. So I'm not sure the Glazers are even that self-aware that the fans need a fall guy. So I'm not sure about anything right now. One minute I think this guy... ...are aloof and don't give a damn. So I'm not sure. Uh... Did we lose Cavalier for a minute there? I think uh, there was some issue with the audio. Yeah, I think, could, can you just repeat the last two sentences you said? Yeah, I go back and forth between thinking this guy was made the sacrificial lamb and, you know, thinking that the Glazers don't care either way. I don't think they give a damn about PR. The only reason Joel Glazer released that last letter was because the Arsenal guy apologized and the Liverpool guy apologized. So I think they just, you know, I don't think they care. I don't think they made him the fall guy. I think he was going to leave anyways. And he's going to leave at the end of the year. So, they just accelerated the procedure, I guess. I don't think he was made the fall guy. I don't think they care. I don't think they have the understanding of what people want, what people want to hear. I think there's that, you know, there's that much lack of self-awareness. And Karan, what do you make of the entire situation? Do you see that the Glazers would have gone through with it anyway or do you think it had a lot to do with what happened with the Super League? Because what reports are saying is that, uh, you know, he was uh, hell-bent on having that uh, tournament going ahead and there were agents talking behind the scenes saying that uh, if the Super League falls through, then Edward Wood will probably have to go. So, it looked like it was related to that. What do you make What do you make of the entire thing? Officer, for starters, we need to understand one thing. Uh, I don't believe any of the recent reports that have been coming out where Woodward would have had a word with the UFR chairman on Thursday night saying that he was keen to take forward the uh, Champions League new format. Uh, because considering Woodward's past, he was an ex-JP uh, Morgan employee. He helped Blazers take over the club. He has been working on this European Super League since 2014 along with the likes of Perez and Agnelli. Uh, so, I don't think that he would be uh, so far away from reality when it comes to the organization of the Super League. And uh, I agree with Kevin about one thing. This whole agenda, this whole belief that Ed Woodward was good at financial deals, it's, it's a myth. Because when whenever you're running a football club, you need to look at a couple of things. You need to see how much money the club is making based on operations, how much sponsorship money is coming in, uh, and you need to look at a lot of different aspects. Uh, one of the positives that Woodward did was the Adidas uh, kid deal, which was worth around 750 million over 10 years. So that was one of the things that he did. But even with, even though we got so much money inside, he was making blunder after blunder when it came when it came to transfers, when it came to the wage structure. So at the end of the day, you might be good at your business, but if you don't know how to spend that money, so how how can you be considered to be good with money? Uh, 
because you might be bringing in the money but you really suck at spending it Uh, and also like you mentioned the kid deal you would have to be an especially uh, stupid human being to not get a great kid deal with manchester united probably the biggest club in the world at least when he took over so i don't know if that give, if there's any credit to be given to this man because even liverpool are able to get a bigger deal chelsea are able to get a bigger deal there's no real credit to be doled out to this man when it comes to when it comes to the amount of money the numbers we hear you know they sound huge but in general football has been inflationary since 2010 this is not the normal state of a sport the kind of numbers you're hearing uh, they are inflationary i don't think this will last i think there's a bubble that was to burst and these people saw it coming the perises of the world the anelis of the world they saw a bubble bursting and they decided to cash out before it burst so i don't think those are real world performances the numbers we saw in the past decade i think that's going to come down crashing i don't think there's like you know that i don't think that's an indicator of financial health anyways yeah i actually agree with the man uh, secondly about the pr aspect of it it it's definitely possible that the glazers would have been forced to throw woodward under the bus it it's unlikely they definitely would have settlements outside the outside the club but for now when you think of it since the past 7 to 8 years united fans have been on woodward's back and there's very there are very few things that we as fans would want other than woodward leaving the club so i just felt it could be a potent, it it's definitely the best uh, best opportunity for the glazers to ask woodward to resign uh because it would be a great pr spin it takes the focus away in a sense although that hasn't worked because uh, the moment woodward resigned uh, all united fans were on glazers back but it could definitely be a pr spin yeah like you said that it's obviously not going to just be done with uh, ed woodward uh, resigning even gary neville said that he said that you know we've just gone for the you know the top part but we still have to um, we just have to still pour out the roots and obviously he's talking about the glazers he's talking about the glazers leaving the club now that's obviously not going to happen they are not going to sell until someone really comes in with a huge offer which i don't see happening in the near future but in terms of you know ownership of clubs there are talks about the 50 50 plus one rule coming the the rule that german clubs follow there are there's boris johnson talking about legislation do you see any of that happening in the near future now do you see a different sort of ownership model for football clubs in england so uh uh-huh. If yeah, I, go, go ahead. Yeah, okay, okay, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's possible, but I don't think it will happen because the politicians will, uh, especially the government currently, currently, uh, currently uh, in Westminster, I don't think they are particularly interested in the transfer of power away from, from the corporations. to the people i think this is just media talk while the you know people are raging so i don't think there are any of this is being said in good faith uh, you mentioned pr and the only reason joel glazer and uh, stan kroenke and all these people would ever come out and try to get good pr is to get the government to calm down there's they have the they do, they not even not even in the back of their minds do they even think about the fans i think this was purely to you know affect the government's response which is about to come they are announcing a fan led review as they say which is being headed by a conservative 
culture minister so you don't know how much of a you know fan led review that is but there will be a review and and the responses that you saw from the clubs after they backed down i think that was meant to influence the review that will come so i i i have very little faith that you know there will be real change automatically from the institutions but if there is sustained pressure on the owners if their business model is affected like like we saw uh, jordan henderson called for the uh, premier league captains to you know assemble and probably discuss boycotting this league if something like uh, if something happens on a scale like that maybe maybe they decide you know this is not best for business that's the only way they sell they won't sell because you know fans turn against them the only reason they sell is because it stops being best for business and uh, as far as the 50 plus 1 rule is concerned obviously that would be the best possible outcome out of this i just don't think it will happen so i mean uh, for most parts i think whatever you said is accurate the one thing that i would want to add here is uh, like with right now it seems like a very distant uh, you know pipe dream but what could happen once brexit is like you know fully uh, in effect is the fact that uh like the government has actively taken up uh, a stance in doing this like you know uh, they, they have more control over things and i think they want to regulate this like for some reason i, I don't know what exactly it is but it seems like they've like they've gotten some amount of interest in getting all the money back in england where it belongs uh, according to them <clears throat> so whatever the reason uh, but i think the moment brexit is you know full fully done uh there might be a possible push in order to uh, bring this into existence so the 50 plus 1 rule might happen with the government having a greater uh, amount of uh, you know control over things over the, uh, like at that point in time so i think pranav you're in uh, the uk you might be able to uh, you know shed more light on this and karan what do you what do you think about it like you've been critical of german clubs in the past but surely this is one thing you got to agree and say that you know they are doing the right thing and by saying no at the very beginning they've set set an example for the rest of the clubs and now maybe english clubs can look look to them as an example and try try to you know follow and follow in their footsteps yeah for sure like i've been uh, really critical of the german clubs because i don't really believe that it helps bridge the gap quick enough uh, how many red bull leipzig stories do we hear in germany in the past 50 years it, it just doesn't happen like by leverkusen uh, uh, i don't mean to i don't mean to hello sorry i don't yeah. mean to be uh, you know i don't i didn't want to interrupt but red bull leipzig story is is not necessarily a feel good story it's not necessarily a story you want to hear is the opposite of what you know you are advocating to happen in england it's basically a corporation taking over a fan led club and pushing it into the bundesliga if that is if that if that happens uh, you know in in germany that that the country's football model will basically turn into that uh, that which already exists in the premier league so you know yeah no wonder no wonder all the german but, all the german fans hate leipzig i mean apart from the leipzig fans all of them they don't have a good reputation in the, in the country no what i was trying to say was uh, now it's quite evident that uh, clubs like bayern and dortmund have an upper hand on majority of the german clubs in the bundesliga And that's been the case for a couple of decades now. So I just question whether it's possible to have the 50 plus one rule, have the club owned by fans, uh, make every crucial decision on the basis of fan opinion, 
but how possible is it for the smaller clubs like for example we see the leicester story they although they were taken over by a high billionaire uh, you can see their rise through good work but how many of these stories do we see in germany like bayer leverkusen have been owned for over 20 years by a bank uh, wolfsburg have private owners but they never been able to bridge the gap to bayern munich so i question whether it's going to be possible for let's say west ham or everton or southampton or brighton to bridge the gap to the top is it going to be possible with the 50 plus 1 What do you guys think about it? Uh, I think a you know a good counter to that would be the example of something like uh, Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern were uh, a club in the nineties that won the Bundesliga for a season, I think, and they came from uh, Bundesliga two. They basically were like uh, a Leicester story. Of course, you don't get to hear a lot about it because it's not an English-speaking nation, and we don't connect uh, that much to the German nation. So, but it was an example of something that happened. Uh, you are describing an increasing monopolization of the Bundesliga, which I agree is a horrible thing, and I think that needs to be reined back everywhere. It exists in Germany because yes, the fifty plus one rule exists, but the obvious obvious flaw in this whole plan is that the other fifty percent is owned by corporations and uh, Bayern Munich, for example. I think they're sponsored by Audi and. Uh, I don't know who else, but they are basically bankrolled by huge corporations, and so they will obviously have more firepower compared to uh, a Werder Bremen or a Schalke. So the say the problem which exists in England exists uh, to a to a degree in Germany too. And that is because we have retained the fifty percent corporate share. Uh, that is a definite flaw. This is already a compromise, but uh, but the democratization of this whole process has to happen to prevent. you know any further breakouts from the premier league that has to be the bare minimum of course there will be problems but you have to do away with the just the ridiculous imbalance of power that exists in the premier league right now and speaking of uh, you know these break breakaway leagues i don't think we're going to hear the last of the super league i mean i think for the time being it's gone they might uh, compromise with some uefa reforms But what do you think the club should do? I mean, what what sort of uh, punishment should they face? I'm seeing people calling for uh, the owners having to face punishments and not the clubs. But at the end of the day, the owners will just take money out of the clubs and you know pay for it, whatever the fines are. What do you think should be done to ensure that the owners are the ones that really feel the brunt of it? If if like if you want the owners to be the ones suffering, you know, first of all, you have to throw the whole book at them. uh there is a definite rule that they have broken by even breaching talks of a breakaway league i think it's rule 9b or something in the premier league that they with sign with the fa which means you cannot compete in any tournaments other than the ones that are already prescribed by the fa the fa cup the carabao cup you know the whole the whole deal any any competitions apart from these if you agree to compete in them you already break in a law and because because everybody now seems to have come around to acknowledge that this is dangerous to the whole english football pyramid and basically to entire to the entire european football spectrum i think the best solution is to throw the whole book at them force sales make them you know you have to do it they've broken a rule they've taken uh, huge liberties with the clubs you have to force sales now you can't do fines you can't do you can't ban them from european co- competitions you can't deduct points 
they will do this again in the future i think the current lord have to be have to be forced out and you have to bring in some democratic process of how these clubs are governed that's the bare minimum to stop this in the future no amount of fines no amount of points deductions no amount of bans will ever stop this फ्रॉड or committing a you know a crime so you have to basically be punished or tried based on the current uh, you know legislation first of all that is one thing the second thing is no matter what laws you've broken you cannot force someone to sell you can put a fine you can put sanctions you can ask them to uh, you know uh, you can uh, give them a ban you can do whatever you want but you can't force anyone to sell something that is legally theirs that right nobody holds right uh, i i'm not i'm not a legal expert but this is something that i believe is a bare minimum right like you cannot force anyone out of it and considering if, if you think about the glazers and how they look at manchester united it's been a cash cow for them so what reason or what compel compulsion would they even have uh, unless they feel like you know their own existence is being threatened by the fans and uh, you know uh, by their presence or their stake in the uh, you know football club there would be no reason for them to even consider selling it hello i think you hit the nail uh, right there you know make their existence seem threatened you mentioned sanctions do it you mentioned taxes do it force them out you have to force them out yes you can't literally take somebody else's property and sell it but you can make it unbearable for them to stay anymore and that's what they have to do that's what i mean by going all out right now otherwise you will suffer in the future you cannot literally take somebody else's thing and sell it but you can make it incredibly hard for them to own it anymore yeah that's what the government Again. would have to end up doing because uh, yeah, yeah. one of the things that they have is the right to collect let's say taxes or uh, withdraw any uh, sub- subsidies for the clubs or whether they are furlough schemes or whether there are there are a lot of benefits that the government gives these massive corporations so you can withdraw those you can make it very difficult for owners to uh, really survive on a financial level but in terms of sell- selling their property that's not going to be possible and even if let's let's just assume that the court of law ends up forcing owners to sell their property it's a long shot if firstly the odds of that happening are very low and secondly you'll have to wait a long time for it and who knows if you have to wait a couple of years for it you have to uh, build reform around it you never know what these uh, these pests as i would call them would be thinking of in the next two years it's definitely not going to be easy but you have to go all out at these people if you want to stand any chance that's what i feel uh shortcuts will not work half measures will not work that's my whole point so let's hope that you know some we find a resolution in the coming weeks or the coming months because i don't think this thing is going to be resolved uh, in 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 the near future 
but what do you guys generally think about ed woodward's replacement whoever i mean there are a lot of names being touted what do you guys think that that person should do to ensure that he avoids the mistakes ed woodward has done because it's obviously not an easy job being the ceo of such a big club it may seem easy on the outside but obviously it's a really hard job so where do you think that you know initially that person should start and say okay this is what ed did ed did wrong and this is what i don't have to do uh, pranav i think before even answering the latter part of your question i think uh, one thing that i should also try to uh, you know inform everyone is there have been a very high number of reports that are touting that vandasar edwin vandasar is looking like the most favored uh, person to replace uh, he is currently uh, even by the bookies he's being shown as the favorite to replace ed also uh, uh you know uh, i i think uh, the sentiment would also be very very strong in appointing someone like a vandasar there uh, because he is a fan favorite he understands the uh, you know the management aspect of football and he understands football as a sport itself and he has that relationship with ole uh, not to mention uh, you know uh, how uh, how well or rather you know uh, like to make the best out of a worst situation how well uh, you know uh, david gill and uh, you know sir alex worked in tandem so this would be something of that sort you know when you have someone like a vandasar uh, working with uh, ole along with uh, you know your, your newly at- appointed director of football we are seeing structural changes that we have been as fans we've been asking or begging for the past few years for the for for the you know uh, as far as i can remember being a manchester united fan i think we we've, we've begged for uh, a director of football and now we finally got it uh, you know going back to the whole edward world uh, situation i think what we've done is uh, you know based on his footballing or transfer uh, related uh, topics it, it seems a little harsh on him uh, I, i'm not trying to take his side but it, it does seem like you're judging a fish by its ability to fly right so that doesn't exactly seem to be a very very uh, you know a fair uh, evaluation of him when he was thrown into manage footballing decisions although he should have also understood that you know if he is not capable of doing them himself he should have appointed someone earlier so that yes definitely as a ceo he made that mistake but uh, you know in terms of transfers i definitely feel like that was wrong on his part and uh, in terms of what qualities do we have i think the most important one is the ability to understand not just the business but also what direction do you want to take as a club like you know what should be the face what should be the identity of a club like manchester united because you're not talking about small brands you're not talking about clubs that uh, you know only have a few million supporters over the world i think manchester united fans account for at least a sixth of the, uh, of the population like at least a billion people out there uh, uh you know support manchester united that's how huge we are so <coughs> this definitely a you know a big void to fill uh whatever role uh, like in those are big shoes to fill in but i think someone like a vandasar who not just understands football but uh you know has also had that uh, level of exposure uh, having been working at ajax ajax is not uh, by uh, any means a small club right so uh, you know he's got the necessary experience and maybe even someone like a, a a david beckham who has the necessary understanding of footballing uh, you know of the footballing world as well as a great business acumen like you know we need someone who can balance both sides of the world like you know both sides of the coin so ideally it should be someone who can help the uh, you know the club grow 
both in terms of footballing as well as uh, the image that we have out there we need that to be clear and hopefully someone who will help us get rid of that debt <laughs> oh before you guys uh, answer i just wanted to you know make a point that united when whenever they make these kind of appointments they usually uh, tend to promote from within so i think if, exactly yeah pandesar is someone who united see in the long term i don't think he's immediately going to be getting this job and i don't think whether he'd be too keen on that unless he's promised that top position so i think someone like you know richard arnold is uh, a name that's been mentioned he's already a director of the club he's been there for a while and he has he has a pretty good rapport behind the scenes because edward ward might have been the favorite of the owners but in terms of you know his interaction with the staff in terms of his interaction with the players and the managers he wasn't really a popular person so i think uh, with the club moving the right direction with ole uh, you know bringing about that feel good feeling i think it will be important that the club goes for someone from within i mean karan you were you were saying the exact same thing what do you think about or uh, doing that or do you think we should go for someone like Pandesar yeah so uh, you were right a, a typical blazer appointment would be somebody like richard arnold or probably matt judge uh, i i wouldn't be like the biggest fan of either but uh, if if we let's just assume that richard arnold is promoted to uh, the executive vice president uh, so let's just say he gets in and if i'm not wrong uh, richard arnold used to handle our commercial deals till 2013 yeah he joined in 2007 and he was there until 2013 yeah so uh, he used to handle the commercial deals for 5 to 6 years when we was successful and you could argue that our most successful period on the pitch was while he was working on commercial deals and uh, other than that i think he's been working on the manchester united foundation he's been working on a lot of aspects uh, he was working with nikki but if i'm not wrong for a while uh, so i feel he could he is an inside man who does know how the club functions how the club is supposed to function uh, and what sort of deals need to be made so he is definitely the favorite to take the job but like if if we want to live in a in like hypothetical situations or we would like then it's a no brainer that we would prefer vandesar because he is uh, a legend of the club he knows how things work he's experienced he's done a good job at ajax uh, especially uh, during the 2018 champions league if i'm not wrong uh, so he's built a team he knows how to work commercially and he knows the club so ideally we would be want we would want to see him even from an emotional standpoint but uh, it's most likely that somebody like richard arnold or matt judge takes up the role what do you think avalya uh i don't know we are if we are discussing the same job as to what vandesar does at ajax anyways i think uh, vandesar is mo- much more of a director of football at ajax uh, and no. uh, he is promoted to the so. ceo about 5 uh, years ago he handles the okay, the right, but this also commercial deals but does he oversee the uh, football development or does he oversee the just the finances as woodward used to because woodward recently stepped down and appointed a technical director in darren fletcher and a director of football in john morta so he kind of divested himself from a lot of the responsibilities that he had previously uh, ed woodward uh, sorry uh, edwin vandesar would probably want to do this uh, you know a lot of the duties that a director of a football and a technical director would want to do so if you are looking for a pure finances person i don't know if edwin vandesar would even want it 
and as it is i don't think the glazers would want to appoint from outside i think it will be more of the same someone who just carries on with business as usual so i think uh, richard arnold or somebody like that would probably fit the bill because what andesa did was you know in 2012 i think he took over as the marketing director at ix and then four years later he was promoted to ceo yep. so it's you know kind of similar to woodward's trajectory at the club yeah and but probably in reverse right woodward yeah. was uh, responsible for a whole lot more even 6 months ago yeah uh, right now he was probably just in charge of the finances i don't think andesar would want to step down in that responsibilities regard i guess no, and, and then terms, again you're talking about yeah. two clubs that are you know completely of uh, you know of a different level of stature uh, you know being yeah. the ceo at ajax and then you know being the ceo with reduced responsibility at manchester united obviously i think with the love that he has for the club and the you know uh, promise that he can uh, impact things uh, at a club that he has given so much for to uh, i think he would definitely would want to consider that but and uh, you know having said that uh, you know essentially yes you do make a lot of sense when you say that you know last three appointments for this role have all been uh, you know internal uh, promotions so uh, another name that i think might not be as popular or as well known is cliff beatty <laughs> he is yeah. again uh, you know uh, another uh, director and he's actually uh, worked in a you know cxo level at uh, uh, sportech if i'm not wrong and ladbrokes also uh, one of the uh, you know betting websites if i'm not wrong so yeah. he is a very uh, you know a staunch financial expert so i'm not sure like so it essentially i think boils down to what kind of role do you want the ceo to take up one now that you have a director of football and a sporting director uh, essentially i think uh, recalibrating or rather reestablishing what do you want to get out of this particular person would uh, define uh, you know what kind of person would be promoted or hired to um, you know fulfill that particular role Uh, so before we move on to you know speaking about the new champions league rules are there any final words you want to say on the, about the director about the owners about something that way good riddance <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so now coming to the the new champions league format which I, we, yeah go ahead, go ahead, I, go ahead. i don't think a lot has changed i don't think a lot will change until the glazers are out so i'm not particularly happy if anything this is just This is just a new face for them. I don't think anything has changed so far. Edward Ward is a symbolic departure, more than any substant, more than a substantive departure. So yeah, continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. So yeah, now coming to the Champions League, the new reforms from 32 teams. They're going to have 36 teams. The group stage is going to be eliminated. We are going to have 10 games and some something known as a Swiss model where. You you know you face ten teams you don't face all the teams and then based on the top eight qualify and then from nine to twenty fourth they have playoff games to make up the other eight teams to qualify for the knockout rounds. So you know in terms of competitiveness in terms of games you'll see a lot more games you'll see four more new teams that will be a uh, four more teams that will be there in the Champions League. But the way they are going to be is is kind of dicey because you're going to have uh, teams based on the UEFA coefficient. So. not necessarily that they might have a good previous season like for example united can finish 6 and still qualify for the champions league because of the uefa coefficient so what do you guys think about these new rules because it looks like it's going to be the 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 future i i for one just completely hate them i like the champions league the way it is i might hate the away goals rule but apart from that i think the champions league is working fine obviously the the clubs at the very uh, 
top of it are not happy with the amount of money they make but who 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 is so what do you guys think that is this the right right move they are making are we going to go ahead with it or is there going to be another compromise at the end so can i laugh it off first of all i think what <laughs> we 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 have basically what we are seeing right now is nothing short of uh, you know what the esl tried to do anyway right you know you basically <laughs> saying that uh, you've been successful come here it doesn't matter where you finish uh, but then that's only for the you know remaining four places if i'm not wrong because uh, for the uh, 32 teams that qualify it's more or less the same however what we've seen in the past few years like you know is ufr trying to cater to the demands of you know people like uh, perez and uh, ed in saying that okay uh, you know we were not going to use your domestic league coefficient we'll just make sure that you get four places without having to play a qualifying round right so you know over the years we've seen this change come up like you know we we've seen more permanent seats or more permanent uh, slots being allotted to uh, leagues that have historically been uh, more dominant right so <coughs> it's it's just nothing but something to appease the uh, you know uh, or rather no i wouldn't say appease appease is not the right word but just to quench the thirst or rather the anger of all the people uh, you know involved in all these uh, major competitions so it's nothing more than a bandage uh, honestly speaking the current uh, style or format of the league is probably the best it has been maybe you could do away with uh, you know keeping uh, the positions or places permanently fixed and have more playoffs you know rather than having four guaranteed spots for everyone you just say okay uh, you know 3 uh, to 5 for all countries basically just playoff uh, it, it will just make for a more exciting uh, you know tournament you could just say that okay yes 3 uh, to 6 from all countries maybe four or five different leagues you have 12 teams okay you all play a you know round robin kind of a league the uh, first three will uh, play another round robin kind of a league and uh, or maybe you know you play a knockout or whatever it is and you decide on the fourth team and give everyone an equal opportunity what do you guys think about having these sort of playoff games or something that way no i'm not a fan of the playoff system but you know uh, the thing is i'm not overly against the swiss format as a concept because uh, i've seen it re- be really successful in chess i've seen it be very successful in esports it's something that mm. thinks about a lot of different factors it thinks about let's say if we speak in footballing senses it will consider the injury uh, record for a few clubs and see the form and see a lot of different aspects so let's say if you're winning a couple of games and then you are faced with let's say a major injury crisis and there is another club that's facing something similar and because of those injury crises you're losing a couple more games so you're more likely to face that particular side so it takes a lot of factors into consideration but i'm i'm not a fan of how there are there is only one group there are 36 teams and you're going to play 10 games I, i don't like that if you could make it two groups of 18 and you could uh, put it in a swiss format i would not mind that as a format to try at least you can uh, try it out and see how it works uh, but other than that this coefficient thing is uh, absolute rubbish uh, teams cannot be 
in the Champions League based on uh, their past laurels. Uh, so they need to either give those spots as confirmed spots to the smaller leagues or add them as qualifying rounds for the big five leagues. So yeah, I, think, I think I think France is going to be getting an extra spot. So they've touted some plans where. Uh, I think two teams will be coming on the basis of the co- on the basis of the coefficient, and then France will be getting one spot, and I think one more spot will be available somewhere else. But uh, Kaivalya, what do you think? Are you in favor of increasing the number of teams, or do you think that some of the the weaker teams, so to say, that come should have a tougher way to come in because they come in and they they are the punching bags, they are losing six and seven nil to these big these big teams. So do you think that this uh, sort of uh, uh, revolution will help stop that from happening? I, I yeah I, I do feel the competition is a little bloated. I don't think a lot of people are invested in the group stages. I don't think a lot of people was the playoffs. So yes, you start with seven, uh, like a lot of teams, but in the end it comes down to like eight nine. So I agree with uh, Casey that uh, there should be more knockout games than more uh, playoffs. I, I'm not a fan of the group stages. So I, I I'm not a fan of the bloated bloated format of the current current competition. So if you if they are proposing this sort of uh, new format with thirty six teams and having just one group and each team playing 10 games do you think that's that's an idea you can get behind uh to be honest i'm open to the idea i'm not a fan of the current idea the way it is because it gets very very uh it gets predictable after a while and uh, something new something new to refresh shake it up might be interesting i'm not sure okay and you know just now 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 it looks like the top 4 is back to being relevant for a I think couple of days it wasn't relevant anymore. So United and City have qualified. I mean, United haven't qualified yet, but I think they will be qualifying as second place team. Who do you think are going to be the other two teams from the league? Do you think Leicester and West Ham have a chance, or they are just uh, you know pretenders and Liverpool and Chelsea are eventually going to come up? I think Chelsea will uh, nip in ahead of West Ham. West Ham are tailing off a bit. And I don't know how long Jailings will uh, keep up with the uh, Messi Lingard. form so i think uh, west west ham will slip out and chelsea will nip in leicester look uh, comfortable i get the vibe from them i think they'll i think they'll make it through liverpool uh, look a lot more volatile look a lot more shaky i don't think they'll make it to the cl this year what do you guys think about that i think chelsea and liverpool end up making it uh, because uh, liverpool have only the premier league to focus on now and uh, they don't really have any significant attacking injuries as such so i think they should be good enough to uh, get into the top 4 and speaking of leicester they have four favorable fixtures in a relative sense and they end the season with three difficult games so i feel that there could be too much to do by the time these difficult games come towards them so I feel Leicester could slip slip out, and uh, yeah, I agree with Kaivalya when he says that West Ham can't really sustain uh, their form. But it, regardless, even if they ended up finishing fifth or sixth, they could be a great season. Absolutely. And what do you think, Casey? Do you think West Ham can stay up, or do you think they are going to going to fall out? I mean, honestly, it all depends on Messi Lingard. If he is back, uh, which I think he is, he's shaken off his injury. So yeah, I think I, I'm I'm gonna give Moyes a chance. Like you know, honestly, like the the uh, 
like I am still like you know follow <laughs> your job is now to stand by your manager uh, we didn't stand by him obviously back in that time but i think now uh, is a good time for me to back up back jesse lingard just for the you know uh, selfish reason that i want him to perform as well as he can and then fetch us as much money as he can possibly can when we eventually sell him at the end of the you know uh, summer <coughs> uh, and uh, for the other spot lester uh, not entirely sure but i think they might slip up uh, the reason i am not giving as much clout to chelsea and uh, liverpool and honestly feel spurs might actually nick in ahead of these two teams is that one spurs have lost their manager usually after being sacked and being managerless uh, teams end up doing well and we are seeing uh, like you know right now the live score is that uh, they've scored two goals in the space of 3 minutes so no one was ruled out it it got ruled out yeah yeah son goal ruled out offside but oh the spurs have been terrible today they've been terrible today I mean, uh, yes. I mean, honestly, Southampton might have had uh, three or four goals in the first half itself, but uh, it's still a response. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, my personal opinion, uh, like Liverpool drew the game, Chelsea drew the game. Both were considered to be very, very easy fixtures for both teams. They're supposed to win them very easily, yet they dropped points, and I don't see this trend changing by any means. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think they have. they have what it takes at this point in time to mount a comeback and uh, try and make it to the top 4 uh so yeah i am counting on leicester who have a game in hand and are one point ahead of chelsea who's the closest chelsea and west ham uh and uh, west ham definitely because they have a very easy run in of fixtures leicester yes I- but then again it depends on how they perform against their last three games they are very tough I, i think the only uh, argument you can make against west ham is that uh, antonio is has been injured and declan rice has been injured and they didn't sign a striker in, in january which i think is probably going to bite them in the ass they, they signed the best player in the world though <laughs> exactly and and if you if you look at their statistics uh, you know uh, antonio has only scored seven goals for them deslingard is now their top scorer That's true, but you need need to have a striker who can you know guarantee you goals when team not playing well because like you saw against Newcastle, they were just completely out of it and then they had a brief period of ten fifteen minutes where they got lucky and they scored two goals. They ended up losing the game, but I feel that that's a trend that's going to happen. We are having Jared Bowen playing as striker. See, that, know, like, that's what like, Jesse Lingard brings yeah. to you. It's all hell, Mary, and you, you your manager is David Moyes, so you don't really count on a lot. But the point is, they also had a very unfortunate red card in that game, so they were playing a man down, and uh, you know that that basically screwed up their defensive uh, uh, formation. So that that's there, so they couldn't really go out and attack as much as they would want to. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think uh, you know uh, uh, the rest of the team has chipped in with a good number of goals. Like if you look at their team, uh, I think uh, Jared Bowen has eight goals now, and Thomas Suchek has nine goals. level with Jesse Lingard. So I think between the three of them they do have a uh, you know uh, a goal or two in them and you know more than uh, willing willing to basically stake my uh, uh you know predictions on the fact that okay yes these guys can probably pull them off. And you know just finally we have a game this weekend against Leeds United so it's prediction time. So I'll come to you KC first what how do you think the game is going to go and give me a scoreline. Right, so I think last time I did predict a two-one win, uh, and I said if we are more clinical, we might get three or four. <laughs> we were. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but then this time against Leeds, 
not entirely sure of what the lineup might be i think that's one point to consider uh because uh, i i don't know uh, like what exactly happened uh, and or what did uh, dean henderson smoke up before he went into goal that day <laughs> because that is definitely not the dean henderson we used to see uh but then uh, i think uh, we, we th- this might be a game that has a lot of goals in it like you know honestly speaking uh, our defensive frailties combined with their defensive frailties and the fact that uh, we are hungry for goals so this might be a goal fest i think it might end up being something like a 5-2 or 5-3 what do you think avalya uh, i think united have a bad habit of starting really slow so i think you will see a continuation of that i predict a first half goal for leeds and we come back and win 2-1 i don't think it will be as open as the last game because leeds have been a bit more conservative in the last few games that i saw go all out against uh, leeds so maybe if someone like pogba can be rested for that game i i do see that happening so he might just start with mcdomney and fred in midfield and just leave the best players uh, for for europe do you see that happening because i yeah. feel that he's not going to prioritize this game i feel it might be like there is no way there is no way bruno sets out there is no way unfortunately there's no way bruno sets out i know that yeah so bruno mbappe maguire anyway are going to start and uh, yeah. i think rashford also starts yeah I think he might start with the front three of uh, Rashford, Greenwood, and James, uh, and probably Bruno, Fred, McTominay. I think that would be his front six. Yeah, you know, I don't think Cavani is going to start. I think he'll probably rest him for the Europa League game, and obviously against yeah. Leicester, there's going to be a lot of running around. So rather have someone like James than Greenwood doing that. We're going to need James for sure against Leeds. Absolutely, yeah. James got into a great run of form after scoring in that Leeds game. That's true. So let's hope that you know we we can get this one out of the line, out of the way, and then focus on our Europa League. Because now, not that I really care about the Europa League, but with top, with second spot secured, basically, I'll I'll be I'll be great that we can win a European trophy. Because while otherwise otherwise it'll feel empty. Otherwise, you know, exactly, just yeah. another trophy-less season. It'll feel empty. Because as fans, we can see the progress the team is making, but it's nice to always have that first big that first European trophy in the bag, and then maybe we can build on it and next season probably. do better in in the champions league because this season the champions league was really dismal performance but <laughs> after uh, a very bright start mind you <laughs> a bright start and then we bottled it in the end that's okay <laughs> darren bent scored right for istanbul in that game oh, oh, who who was the player the excellent dembaba for the dembaba yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay thanks thanks guys it's been a great uh, it's been a great pleasure having you all talking about edward word never thought i'd say that but i'm <laughs> I'm glad that he's finally out of the club. Any any final words about the podcast? Great to be on. Hope to be back in uh, soon. Thanks, thanks for joining us. We enjoyed you on your debut. Hope to be back again. Uh, this time without Karan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's become a weekly schedule for me now. You need to find more guests, man. You need more friends. Absolutely, man. 
I think I think I'm going to stop calling you now. Last time, last time, last time I called you the fan favorite, and people took objection to it. So I don't think you are the fan favorite anymore. <laughs> All right. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot. It's been a great. It's been a pleasure yeah. having you guys on. And yes, uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for you. for tuning in. Bye bye.